Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in Cars going to festivals. Hi. Hi. We're <laughs> Druids in Cars and we're driving 12 hours across the country to Harvest Nights. <laughs> and I'm not with Michael, but no, in fact. I am your substitute, Michael, today. It's Mike. You heard me before. Yeah, do 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 do. Do 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 do. It's so weird when I hear my own voice there. Uh, but. Segway. Segway. Yeah, I know. So, so I had a question for Jan about music stuff, and so I'm now we're just recording. So why not? Uh, so I was talking with my husband a couple of nights ago, and talking about our, our upcoming Samhain ride, for which I probably need to write a song. And yeah, it's it's for a deity that I don't really work with a lot, so I'm gonna have to do some research and I have to make sure that it fits into all the proper aspects of ritual and is doing all the thing uh, that it needs to do and all the various parameters. And Jared says, like, that seems really above and beyond. Like, that really, you're, I don't think most people are doing that much work on that. And I told him, I don't know, that's just, it's how I conceive this role. Yeah, the work of the bard of the grove. Like, I always tell people that, what does it mean? It means that I am in charge of Bardy stuff. I don't necessarily have to be the one who does it, but I have to ensure that it happens for whatever you know needs the grove has. Yeah. Um, and because I took over from you in that role, yeah. I'm interested to hear how you, you know, thought of that role or think of it now. Yeah. I mean, I think so. For me, <coughs> initially as Grove Bard, it was very much a. Um, it was less behind-the-scenes work at first and was more the uh, position of the person who maintains the focus and energy of the rite. Um, and, you know, you see it most offering, most often during the offering sections and the uh, return flow sections where the energy of the rite can dip because people lose focus because, like, as the waters come around, it's just interacting with one person. And so private conversations will start up which will then diminish the ability um, of energy maintained for like a work-in that you have to do. You don't want that to drop because you'll need it later, right? Yeah. Um, so like that was initially a lot of what I felt my role was. Uh, but so Missy was the Grove Bard before me, mm-hmm. right? And um, she did a lot of composition work. And I had not, up until that point, like, until I took over, I had not been doing a lot of composition work. And so I think kind of the same thing that you you have run into as you've taken over is 
I started doing a lot more writing of liturgical pieces mm-hmm. for for the Grove because I had definitely done composition work but I mean like you know most of my like earlier music is very it's emotion based but it's not necessarily like specific ritual purpose based yeah it's it's usually not devoted to a particular deity right the, the few that I know of from you that are deity devoted are almost so personal that you wouldn't even want them in ritual correct space. correct yeah. and then and then there's ones that I've written more recently that were for a specific right I mean like Earth and right. Starry Heaven I wrote for Hades and Persephone yeah, yeah. for that ritual um and so though but those I didn't do until after I was in that grove bard position and I don't know we needed we needed some sort of devotional piece there and somebody so I scheduled a ritual to somebody and I'm like oh well, yeah we so I that. made it happen yeah um and I mean like I've done I do a lot of that writing work um that includes a lot of research and study into how the deities were described in primary sources and what modern practitioners, like, how they view them now, and uh, just all of that goes into my writing process. Yeah, very and much I, the same. Yeah, and so, but it, it didn't happen until I, I didn't start doing that particular work until I was Grove Bard. Because rem- I remember that I wrote a couple of things before I was Grove Bard, and I, I can't remember, I feel like I had already done a little bit of that composition work before you passed that off to me. Yeah, but, it, but I like but I, I think it was in that period where I was sort of unbeknownst to me training up. <laughs> <laughs> I knew, you did yeah, not. <laughs> I did not know. You knew. Um, but I mean like wasn't one of the first things you wrote Obsidian, which is your uh, your Mononon song? Yeah, but that's not a ritual song. But that's what I mean. Like one of your first things you wrote was not a piece like you had said some of mine were personal. And not things that I would necessarily want in a ritual. Yeah, but the um, first, well, I wouldn't mind doing a ritual. It's just that it, I have a whole split in my head about what is appropriate for congregational use, like what people can reasonably pick up quickly and, and what is just not. And yeah. Obsidian isn't. But actually, I think the first thing, no, it was, I remember going home from a rehearsal at your house where we had talked about needing a water song. And I remember voice memoing something into my phone on the way home and that's what was Waters from the Ancient Seas mm-hmm. was the first thing that I wrote so well, and in fact the like that was the reason I picked up a guitar also was because you were like hey uh, I'm not going to be available so it, it falls to you yeah like, okay. so I and I mean like we had we had the discussion of you don't have to play what? like you don't oh, have to yeah. play guitar like you can be a bard in whatever way makes sense and you were like mm. <laughs> as I recall it was like well yeah but I don't want to pick a note out of nowhere and hope that it works and I'd like to keep everybody on key so <laughs> not going to drag in an electric keyboard so it's going to be a, a guitar yeah yeah if you dragged in an electric keyboard you'd be less youth pastor Mike and more uh, I don't know praise band praise Mike. band Mike yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with a lot of... I mean, that that's also sort of the difference, I think, in maybe how we approach that is... Because we've got a lot of similarity, but we've got some differences, too. And I come from a Catholic background with mm-hmm. a very developed music program, and that's what I'm accustomed to. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I think... 
you've done excellent things in making the music we do as a Grove more accessible for people, right? Like, Thanks. we had talked about hymnals, but it had never happened because none of us could score music. Right. I mean, like, not in any ongoing manner. Whereas I'm a giant nerd who actually, like, reads yeah. things about music engraving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, because I, I mean, like, when I was doing the Bardic, um, ADF's Bardic Studies program, mm-hmm. like, you have to score out your your music for some of your compositions. Yeah. And let me tell you, that was a struggle. <laughs> and I'm sure that the stuff that I scored out is not accurate to what I actually sing and play. Yeah, that's probably true. Like I mean, it's but... it's not it's close enough that someone could pick it up if they've heard me. Sure. Right? But it would not sound the same if someone was sight reading it. No, that's fair. Um Well and frankly, even when I'm scoring stuff out, I don't know, like both So you learned a lot of your stuff from Missy. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from you. Also, all of us happen to listen to a lot of folk music. Yeah. And a lot of modern folk music has really syncopated rhythms that I'm just not doing that to people who don't read music that yeah. well. You don't you don't want that. Yeah. So it's sort of it's close enough. And yeah, and I mean like we all we all have come from very strong music backgrounds. Yeah. Um and we all read music, mm-hmm. which, which is, is helpful. helpful. Uh but not required. I tell you. But not yeah, but not required. That. Um, no, so, like, you've, you've helped make it more accessible, but I also think, like, you're, because you've got family who are, like, in, and you, who are in, not Catholic choir, but the cantering, is that what, uh, like, you have that tradition as part of, like, your, your background? Yeah, like, I come from a really musical family that also happens to be Catholic, and, you know, like, my aunt and my uncle both are core members of the music group down in a their Catholic church. And, yeah. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, and so there's just a whole, like, base of knowledge that you can bring in about, like, what range is appropriate for congregational mm. singing. And, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, those things, like, I know that some, I know that I sing low. Yeah. And I know that that's hard for people, but I don't have a good sense of how to, like... Like, what's the real lowest note you can expect? Yeah. And, like, you yeah. just have the, like, the, the working academic knowledge of that, yeah, kind that's of. that's true. So... Um, but it... It, well, it was, I mean, thinking about those differences and what we each bring, it was interesting just now and other times listening to you talk about, you call it the bardic lasso sometimes, right? Yeah. That, that energy work, mm-hmm. which uh, I'll be honest, is not a thing that I think about. I am much more in stage manager mode there. So okay. it's like, I'm watching what's going on. You know, okay, we're about that far across the room. I need to extend this song by X amount to make sure that we are covering the whole process and all that. Mm, and for you, that's that term, it's like stage manager, not magical work? Yeah, I'm not thinking magically at all. I'm thinking very practically. You know, like, don't run out of music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't run out of music, and also try and time it so that... Uh, so, so that, that the that song it, ends appropriately yeah. and you, you're not hanging over either. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that's more what I'm doing. And I there's no reason I couldn't think of that magically. It's just that... You're way more woo than I am. I am, but it's interesting because one of the nice things, like, one of the the good things about moving Grove Bard to you was that it let me be more priest, Jan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm definitely more stage manager mode when I'm priest. Hmm. Except in, like, the high magical points. Yeah. Where I need to be 
um, more woo. I also think that there's, some of this is almost a semantic difference, because, like, you talked about uh, keeping the energy up for a working, which for you is a very magical thought process, whereas I'm thinking about, uh, more like if you're, I don't know, like, programming a concert or something, and you want to keep people's attention and not let the energy lag. Mm. I'm not thinking of it in magical terms, but I am thinking of it in, like, mm. audience emotion, audience engagement sort of terms. Yeah. Some, and I it's, do that in ritual as well. I'm thinking about how that goes. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's similar work. Um, but I think it have similar effects. It just, conceiving it differently. Yeah, it yeah. Okay, slight left turn here, but getting back to, like, what is the role of the bard, right? Because mm-hmm. this is the other thing that uh, Jared asked me about. Because I was talking about, well, you know, this is the work, right? I need to make this song that I am that I need to write, do all these various things. And he said, well, why do you... I mean, this is not a deity that you work with. You're not even terribly interested in working with this deity in the future. You don't have any obligation to them. You know, why you care so much like because my oath isn't to the morrigan right my oath is to the grove have you oath to the grove didn't i do some sort of oath when i became bard i don't think so oh well i guess i just did it in my mind i really thought that i did some kind of thing i'd have to look at the liturgy i wrote for it but Well, whether I... Mm. I think it was something along the lines of, like, asking you to take up the mantle, but I don't think there was any oath involved. Okay. Hmm. I'll have to look at the liturgy. Yeah. So. That's, I mean, it doesn't actually change... No, it doesn't change me. anything for you. I, if yeah, if you think you've question. taken an oath, then I hate to break it to you. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, and it... I don't know. I, I'm, a, I'm a bad pagan. The difference between oathing with a capital O and... Doing the work is not actually that important to me. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, but my conception of it is like my role here is to make sure that the grove has what it needs yeah. to do that work, and part of that is implicitly doing what the deity needs, right? You know. That, yeah. Okay. I mean, we were in my early days in the grove. We were much more solidly Celtic, Gaulish, and mm-hmm. a little bit of Norse flavoring sometimes. Um, and not much Hellenic. Like, right. there there have always been Hellenes in the Grove, but we would either do our own thing or... Um, and, and part of me wonders if there is the difference between... Like, ancient Greeks had a very strong concept of state religion and home religion. Sure. Right? And, you know... Uh, Rob Henderson, the priest up in Ann Arbor, mm-hmm. his grove was Irish, and he's their priest, and he is a, a Greek practitioner, but it is very much a, like, well, this is the state religion, so it doesn't bother, like, so I wonder if the early days of our grove, when we weren't, we didn't do a lot of Greek stuff, mm-hmm. was simply because Hellenes have, like, a, there's history of, well, the your public worship is one thing, and then your home worship is something else, and that's just normal. Um, anyways. So to make that an explicit connection, you mean 
basically that you were doing the work the Grove needed, even though it wasn't your own personal right. practice. Right. Like in in the early days when I when I would write stuff for the Grove, um, a lot of times I didn't write deity specific things, mm-hmm. um, either because it wasn't expected, wanted, or needed at the time, or it was covered by someone else. Uh, but I wrote a lot of like could be used in any ritual. Yeah. Kind of like a lot of generic three kindred stuff. Sure. And Which we can always use more of. Yeah, so so it was the kind of things that gave us variety, um, but could also be plugged in. Right, that makes sense. Anywhere. Yeah. Um, one of the things I've enjoyed that I think you've brought more of is the thought of um, the liturgical music as a whole mm-hmm. having a mood mm-hmm. of whatever the purpose of the rite is or... Um, I'm thinking, like, when we did the Vedic rite to, um, Yama, Yama. to Yama, like, everything had the same feel, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and even though the words that went with some of the songs were very, like, yeah, we could have put them in other rites, just the, the tone and the mood of everything was, was such that it fit that Vedic God of the Dead feel. Um, And that's something that I think you've been much more intentional about and I've enjoyed. Um, It feels... uh, Thanks. Uh, (laughs) Uh, But it also feels kind of... uh, Is obvious the word I'm looking for? Like, or, or even almost necessary. Like, if we're conceiving of a ritual as an extended magical act that goes from start to finish, then the you know, we talk about writing scripts and how, yeah, we do some script by committee, but often it's nice to have a single author script because you've got those, the themes that are threaded throughout, the, you know, whatever, you know, it you all have the common together. language and the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I feel like the music needs to work the same way. Oh, I agree. I just think that your particular skill set has made that easier to do. I think also I'm um, standing on the shoulders of giants. Like, I don't have to write a lot of the water songs or whatever because people have written that yeah. for me and instead I can choose from whatever's out there and make it work. And then pick the yeah. well and like because you can pick from a variety of different processionals and water songs and stuff and pick the ones that match the tone and then right. you end up composing a deed of the occasion piece Often. that matches yeah. that tone Yeah, which is some of the work you're doing when you're doing your research I think Oh yeah, is what well, feel should this give yeah, well, I mean, that's a thing that when I talk to our, you know, whoever is the lead ritualist for that ritual, uh, I want to know not just who we're honoring, but, like, what are we doing there? Yeah. Because I don't want to just sing a random song to so-and-so, our deity of the occasion. Instead, I want that song to be supporting whatever the magical and emotional work right. is that we're doing. Uh, and sometimes they don't know, and that's that's fun. <laughs> but it, it often actually there's there's good. We could call it serendipity. We could call it you know the work of the gods flowing through all the people, whatever. But it, it can kind of work out. Yeah. Which is nice. Also, I mean, I'm not not sure how many people are actively paying attention to the words that they're singing. Like I know that I'm not always when I'm doing congregational singing. You're just kind of doing the thing. Yeah. But I think even even on a subconscious level, I think that it can still reinforce whether or not 
people are actively meditating on the words they're singing, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm a weird bard person and don't hear words in music unless I'm really focusing on it, even when I'm singing them. Like I, Same, though. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not... I don't know, the vocal is just another instrument, and mm-hmm. so the words aren't always, like, at the forefront. Um, and so the idea of meditating with a piece of music, using the words as a focal point for that, is, is just another interesting concept to me. Because mm-hmm. um, it's not, like, I am feeling the emotions of the way the notes move, not the emotions of the words in the notes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I definitely know that, not necessarily with the Grove, but in other musical work that I do, the the repeated rehearsing is often where I really start to think about the words, mm-hmm. because, you know, you're going over them multiple times. Yeah. And then I think, ideally, some of that meditative thought process during rehearsal gets, if we want to go back to the magical concept, it gets encoded into the performance, even if you're not actively thinking about it. Even if I'm thinking about, you know... Where is the priest in the room? Are we ready for this? How many yeah. more people are in the offering line? It's still part of the the overall work that's happening. Yeah. Okay. You have other questions? <laughs> no, no. I just I realized you and I hadn't really. Talked we haven't about talked about this in a long time. A long time, if ever, this explicitly. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> since you just sort of like. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you're Grove Bard now. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, thanks. Uh, cool. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else is there to say about that. I struggle sometimes with music selection because one of one of the things that I like about ADF as a whole and about our Grove specifically, because we're so very multi-hearth, mm-hmm. is that there's a lot of stuff going on. It's great. I love it. But also, I don't know, I grew up in a Catholic church there's one deity everyone there's a lot of authors and everyone's writing about the same deity so it's real easy to say oh we need you know a a piece that is aligned with this particular gospel reading that's doing this kind of work and probably someone's written a text that's related to it whereas I don't know if we want to Maybe somebody else has one out there, but I don't know of it. The only Nematona song that I know is the one that I wrote for a Nematona, right? Right, right. And so, if we wanted to do a different move for Nematona, yeah, I've got a song, but I probably have to write a new one. But I'm probably going to write a new song, yeah. Yeah. So it's just... It's a beautiful, wonderful opportunity, but it also kind of sucks sometimes. Yeah. But I, I think your interpretation of this is the role of the Grove Bard is to write the music that the Grove needs. Or to make sure that it gets... Or to make sure that it happens, yeah. Yeah. Um, Is how I also feel about it. Mm. Um, And I think it's the sense that, you know, Missy before me also felt about it. Mm -hmm. Have to make sure that things happen. I'm annoyed with my water bottle. Thank you. you. (laughs) (laughs) I know that one of the things that's also been nice... um, Because I... I started doing it um, is having bardic rehearsals right. regularly, um, and you again have more experience, I think, leading a group of musicians in like a teaching capacity. Uh-huh. Um, so it's been nice to to know like 
to not just be a, a religious jam band that practices, but like actively works on music to improve it, which is a, a weird thing. Like I don't, I don't know exactly how it happens, but I can feel it happening. <laughs> I'm glad that it's working for you, since I feel like I, I don't know, but it's been a really crazy couple of months for me, as you know. So I feel like that I've too. Definitely but not been doing that as much lately. But I. But I'm talking like as a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, it's something that I do want to keep developing. Is not only the making the music for Ritual better, but also helping to develop the people who are doing that work as musicians. Yeah. Which is a whole lot of hubris for me to say, you know, and now I'm going to help develop these people. I mean, but for me, because, like, music is a devotional act for me. And so, for me, it fits more in the, like you're moving towards that proto-clergy of you are supporting people in their devotions. Yeah, like, that's fair. Like, having assistance being a better musician is making it so that I feel more connected to my spirits. That's good. So. I like it. Yeah. I like it very much. Oh, now the ears pop as we go back down the mountain. I mean... I'll join Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> All I want to do now is she'll be coming around the mountain. <laughs> That's your new outro, Michael. Our new outro? <laughs> coming around the mountain? You'll have to check and see if it's uh, public domain. Oh, at this point? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, no question in my mind. Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsandcars at threecranes.org. If you'd like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Our theme song's lyrics were written by Arthur Shipkowski, and the music is written and recorded by Mike Beershank. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.